Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Bar Moses. Bar Moses is the co-founder and CEO of Monte Carlo, a data reliability company and creator of the industry's first data observability platform. Backed by Excel, GGV, Redpoint, Iconic Growth, Salesforce Ventures, and other top Silicon Valley investors. Previously, she was the VP of Customer Operations at customer success company Gainsight, where she helped scale the company 10 times in revenue and, among other functions, built the data analytics team. Prior to that, she was a management consultant at Bain & Company and a research assistant at the statistics department at Stanford University. Well, good afternoon, Barr. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. This is exciting. Uh, You're uh, obviously on the list of my great podcasts today. I've had a couple, but you, we saved the best for last. That's the way I like to to put it, right? Um, So thank you again for jumping on. You've got an amazing background, amazing career, and we're going to jump right into these questions and I'll get going up for you here. So Bar, let's talk about your career in technology, statistics. You were an advisor, venture capital. Now you're the co-founder and CEO of Monte Carlo. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? Yeah, great question. You know, generally, I'd say I'm sort of inspired or driven by curiosity. Um, I've sort of been driven by that my entire life. Um, you know, I think there's some folks who sort of know what they want to be when they grow, what they want to be when they grow up sort of from day one and uh, go towards that. Um, I was never that lucky Uh Sort of, you know, growing up, I really um, often found myself maximizing locally, if you will, um, and sort of going after kind of a, a big, hairy, audacious goal or challenge that I was ex- excited to to pursue, along with um, amazing people, and and have fun doing that. Um, you know, I always sort of remember the fact that people, kind of at the end of their lives. Um, the number one thing that they regret is not doing something. Um, and I've always tried to avoid that. Um, and so, you know, very briefly, I was I was born and raised in Israel, started my career in, um, in the Israeli Air Force, actually, um, moved to the Bay Area about a decade ago and, you know, spend most of my career working with um, organizations that were trying to become data driven. I say data driven in quotations because um, it means lots of different things to different people. Um, and, you know, I've found throughout my career that the number one obstacle to companies truly becoming data driven is actually really fundamental questions about the data and the ability to answer those questions in an automated, fast way. So questions like, can I trust this data? Where is this data coming from? Who is this? Who's using this data? When was it last updated? Um, and, you know, it, it was so difficult to answer these questions that oftentimes people will just, you know, completely drop these initiatives and end up, you know, resorting to gut-based decision-making, um, which is, you know, really heartbreaking. Um, and so, you know, I started Monte Carlo um, a few years ago to help address that, to help companies accelerate the adoption of data um, by reducing what we call data downtime and increasing trust in the data. Um, and, you know, I think the reflecting on sort of what's been um, inspiring to me, you know, we're, we're creating a new category at Monte Carlo. So the category of data observability. Um, and we believe that, you know, strong and robust data observability platforms is what helps companies actually trust data. Uh, and, you know, our company values reflect a lot of those things that I spoke about earlier. So, you know, we're creating a new category, doing something that's really hard. 
um, tackling a really big problem, you know, generating trust in data is, is really hard and complicated. But, you know, we're sort of fortunate to do that with amazing people and are really enjoying the journey. I love your story. This is awesome. And, and the fact that you, you know, immigrated here to the to the United States is is also an inspiring story. We have a lot of guests that have done that. And I like I like to really talk about the diversity of, of the guests on the show. So thank you for sharing. And, and also, you know, I love the fact that you're you're exploring new areas for as, as far as trust, right? You talked about that data observability. Take it to the next level. We need to get some blockchain involved. And we can talk about that. <laughs> off, we can talk about, about that offline. But my my publication here has also just recently been moved to the blockchain. So we're excited about that. So amazing. Very cool. Bar, thanks again. And let's jump into question two here. What was the single business? I'm sorry, biggest business decision that you had to make during the first year of the lockdown and how different is your business strategy today? Yeah, I think there were sort of two main questions that, you know, we were facing. One is around company building and the second is around business strategy. Um, So thinking about the company perspective, you know, Monte Carlo was born just before the pandemic. Um, And actually in in prior uh, roles before Monte Carlo, um, you know, I was working a company and and built a remote team and really saw the value of that even before the pandemic. And so Monte Carlo was basically born a remote first company. Um, And, you know, we started the company with the philosophy that we want to build the company around the people not the people around the company. And that means that we hire people, you know, the best people wherever they are in the world and, you know, make it awesome for them, whatever that means. Um, And, you know, that meant that from day one, we had to be very intentional um, about how we're, about how we build the company, about our values, about our culture, about the process that we put in place. So from day one, you know, we've had like one-on-ones as a company, we've had like regular syncs, um, you know, with videos turned on everywhere. And, I, you know, I think today that doesn't sound crazy, but in a pre-pandemic world, that was quite revolutionary. Um, and so in that sense, you know, it was kind of an easy transition for us from, from you know, as a, as a remote company. And we sort of doubled down on those things that worked for us before, before the pandemic. Um, you know, I, I would say at the start of the pandemic, there were def- a lot of kind of unknowns for many early stage startups and, and businesses starting and I remember, you know, drawing inspiration from other companies that I saw that were inspiration to us that were really born sort of in, you know, downturns or other difficult times. I think Airbnb is one of those iconic or sort of classic companies. Um, and, you know, I, I read a lot about that. And there are a lot of companies that are born out of those eras and actually become more resilient, become better businesses because they force you to focus and to prioritize the things that matter. And the things that matter are always the customers. Um, and so if you focus on the customer and focus you know, very aggressively on the few things that matter to, to building a great business, I think that can actually ultimately to lead to an even stronger business. Um, so those were some, you know, that was sort of kind of the, the decisions that we had to, to make early on. And you know, we, we decided to, to double down on, on being a remote company um, from a business strategy perspective, you know, I think interestingly that pandemic has actually accelerated the adoption of data for many companies. So companies who were potentially, you know, a little bit hesitant around their digital transformation journey um, or thinking through what their cloud strategy is, you know, when the pandemic hit, people really did not have an option. It was sort of do or die in this case. Um, and so companies had to figure out really quickly, how do I become data-driven? How do I enable the new work for the new workforce to compete in a world that's really mostly virtual. Um, 
And so that actually accelerated um, the business for Monte Carlo. Um, and that, you know, in that new reality, we had to figure out how to move even faster as a business. Um, so something that I think a lot about is how do we use, um, how do we use speed or advantage um, in, in a market? And the pandemic definitely had to um, uh, force us to think about that and, and to essentially move even faster as a strategy. Thank you, Barr, for sharing that. And you're absolutely right. And just to touch quickly on those two points, the people, uh, obviously, uh, number one resource within your company, and you did the right move in obviously hiring the right people and taking care of those people. But as we move into the pandemic, as you talked about, absolutely right. We've innovated probably five years into the future, much faster than we would have in a normal uh, period of time, right? So I appreciate you sharing some of the challenges and and some of the ways that you overcame those. So thank you. And Bart, you're obviously leveraging some new and emerging technologies within your tech stack, right? We're a technology platform. I'm a, I'm a CTO, right? Is there anything you might be able to share with us today that's kind of groundbreaking? Of course. Um, I'm actually most passionate about that kind of stuff. Um, so I'd love to share with you actually, you know, kind of the groundbreaking um, concept of data observability, because that's actually a very kind of new and emerging theme that has really accelerated at an unparalleled pace in the last year or so, um, but still a very novel idea. Um, so I'll explain a little bit about that. Um, you know, I think if we sort of look at um, application and infrastructure reliability, that is a space that's very well understood, right? So for the last decade or so, um, DevOps teams around the world um, you know, I've thought a lot about the reliability of applications and infrastructure, right? When AWS is down, everybody knows about that. There's, there's no question. Um, and so to support that, observability has actually emerged as a fast-growing area that supports DevOps teams who need to manage application infrastructure downtime. And, the, and so for those teams, um, you know, there's very clear things that they look at, things like CPU and performance and latency, which allows them to determine, you know, whether there's any action that's required in order to, in order to make sure that their apps and infrastructure is actually up and running. Um, and that's, you know, sort of the rise of the role of SRE. Um, what we're seeing in the last couple of years, and, and this is where the innovation is, is actually that concept is being applied to data. Um, so oftentimes what happens is sort of refer to this problem that we call good pipelines, bad data. What do I mean by that? I mean, companies invest in the best data infrastructure, in the best system. So you have, you know, world-class data warehouse, data lake, ETL, BI, really sort of top of the line infrastructure and systems. And, and those, um, uh, that infrastructure, that system, however, oftentimes is powered by data that's actually inaccurate um, or wrong or late. So many reasons for why the data can actually cannot be trusted. And the problem is that many, right, a lot of our applications today actually are driven by data. And so oftentimes, you know, data being wrong or how, you know, we define, we sort of call it data downtime, periods of time when data is wrong or inaccurate or otherwise erroneous. Oftentimes when that happens, that is what leads to application and infrastructure being down. So for example, in 2016, Netflix was down for 45 minutes because of duplicate data. Um, now that is an entirely new concept when we're sort of relying on data being accurate. So Think about a marketplace that's using data to determine prices. If you're using the wrong data, um, then you know you might be underpricing or overpricing. And so there's millions of dollars being lost because of bad data. And so the question is, 
you know, can you take the concept of observability and reliability from software and apply that to data and what that would look like? Um, and from there comes this term called data observability. And so we define data observability as an organization's ability to understand the health of the data in their system based on observing the outputs of that system. Um, and, you know, when you think about data observability, an important part of that is thinking about that as an end-to-end -end way. So across the entire pipeline, all the way from your ingestion, ETL, to warehouse, and ultimately to um, your analytics or data products. Um, now, what do you actually measure in data observability? It's not obvious, right? In, in software observability, we know what to do. In data observability, we don't know. Um, and so we've actually defined these kind of five pillars um, that we think have to be core for any strong data observability platform. Um, the first is freshness. So the ability to automatically detect across all of your tables and all of your reports, whether the data is actually fresh and up to date. Um, the second is volume. So the same question is, do I have the right volume of data or the, right, the volume of data that I expect across all of my data assets? Um, the third is schema and schema Schema changes is actually often often the culprit for data going wrong. You know, someone might have like dropped a table or changed a field type. Those things have to be automatically tracked and, and better communicated across the organization. The fourth pillar is distribution. And this really refers to sort of the values themselves of the data. So for example, you know, if you're tracking a field for credit card numbers and you suddenly have numbers in the credit card, uh, sorry, you suddenly have letters in the credit card field, then obviously in that instance, something is wrong. You need to, need to take a look. Um, and the fifth pillar is actually lineage. And by lineage, I mean an automated view um, of table level and field level um, lineage and marrying that together with the data health. So an ability to know, okay, something broke upstream or something changed upstream and that resulted in a particular table that now has partial or incomplete data. And that's resulting in these five reports or this um, pricing algorithm that's now based on that data that's inaccurate. Um, and so companies that are looking to generate trust in their data actually have automated um, machine learning driven ways to um, understand the health of their systems based on these five key pillars. Um, just using an example, um, you know, Fox, one of our customers, um, use this sort of data observability to make sure that kind of, you know, the, the million, millions of data points that they track about, you know, users and and preferences actually, you know, drives the right decisions and, and, um, and drives the right digital products as an example. Um, and so data observability, kind of the ability to understand the health of your, of the data of your system um, really is sort of one of the more kind of novel and emerging areas that I'm super excited about. I'm totally fired up about it now. Um, thank you for sharing that because I've not had somebody dive into that uh, a little bit more in depth than I, we typically do. But this is something awesome. And, and the fact that it's new and emerging is is really kind of gets my my blood going there. It's just that's just who I am. I just love this emerging tech. So, Bar, thank you for sharing that. Let's jump into the last question here. Can you share something from your career experience that might be helpful for those looking to grow their career in tech or entrepreneurship? Yeah, I mean, honestly, my best advice is actually don't listen to advice. Um, when, you know, when I started my journey in entrepreneurship um, and I had, you know, questions about sort of, you know, the product that I want to build and the market and, you know, customer preferences and what's the best way to go about something. I remember someone told me, you know, for every question that you have, I can probably find 
five people that would be for it and five people that would be totally against it or, or give you the exact opposite response. Um, and I actually found that very freeing. Um, you know, like it, I think there's some notion that, you know, the answer is somewhere in others people's heads or experience. And actually I found, you know, that the truth is within you. Right. Um, and people's advice is usually based on, you know, what I call sort of the scars on their back and painted with their own point of view about the world. Um, and, you know, one sort of way that I've gone about that is actually like go out there, talk to real customers, talk to real people, develop your own point of view about the world and use that, use that to guide your decisions. Um, before I started Monte Carlo, I actually spoke to several hundreds of data organizations, ranging from small startups all the way to large organizations like Netflix and Facebook and Uber, and actually asked them, like, what's top of mind for you? What keeps you up at night? Um, what are you worried about? What makes you happy? If you had you know, a magic wand and you could do whatever you wanted, what would that look like? Um, and actually sort of all those conversations really, really helped shape and inform what we're doing in Monte Carlo today. Um, and so, you know, I think that those are, that, that has been one of the most important kind of lessons that I personally had, um, you know, and, and I think too often we're really motivated by sort of fear kind of fear to, um, you know, go and talk to people and fear of failure. Um, and I found it helpful for me to sort of recognize that and, and actually try to force myself to not be afraid to le lean into it and to take the leap and, and just do it, whatever it is. Whatever your heart pursue, whatever you want to pursue, um, just go ahead and do it. Thank you, Bart. I appreciate that. And if I could just add, you've 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 really put a little bit of. Uh, I can tell you're passionate about this, and and it comes out in the inflection in your voice. And these are what really make the podcast fun for our audience. So thank you. I I do appreciate that. And Bar, last thing is, it was a pleasure having you on today, and I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Bye for now. 